0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Ski Chilton, Ph.D., author of There is Another Way to Happiness, the four-stepped CAST, and that's C-A-S-T, process, the CAST process, that will transform your life. Scientists have a reputation for being highly rational, basing their opinions on empirical data. Acclaimed evolutionary biochemist and scientist, Dr. Ski Chilton, was no different. Reflecting back on his accomplishments and outlook on life, he admits, and I am quoting, there was not a person who poo-pooed meditation more. Then a Sunday morning violent encounter with an untamed Arabian horse nearly cost him his life. And as he said, it was at that point that moving from science to the sacred in meditation became real. From his new vantage point in a wheelchair, he shifted his focus from the purely empirical to the deeply spiritual, immersing himself in mindfulness and meditation practices. This journey not only facilitated his physical recovery, but also ushered in a profound spiritual enlightenment he never saw coming. Dr. Chilton is the founder of Heroes Helping Heroes and is the executive director of the World Shoe Fund he was recently inducted into the prestigious National Academy of Inventors. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Doctor Chilton Chilton Ski.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Catherine. It's so wonderful to be with you.
0: All right. So let's start with there is no other way to happiness. The forecast, the four-step cast process that will transform your life. Uh, well, maybe we should start with the accident because um, I'm always, I don't know if the word is curious, but do we all need some catastrophic event to help us to get to that level that you're talking about, meditation, spiritual, um, or or can that be done before the catastrophic event occurs?
1: Well, I think it was a series of catastrophic events that that ended with, that one um but uh, uh five years earlier um i i I'd written the rewired brain um i think uh I think these events uh these catastrophic events in most cases are the only thing that will wake us up uh, the, the the I've come to the conclusion that the meaning of life uh, is to wake up and uh, to wake up uh, to this script that, that our unconscious brains and unconscious minds are feeding us.
0: So what you're saying was always kind of heading or evolving into that direction. Maybe we don't even know it.
1: Yeah, I I think, well, hopefully we are. I I think for me, uh, before the Rewired Brain, after coming out of a second marriage, you mentioned some of the things I've been able to do. I was in Darfur when a million people were killed, and we built a safe zone for 100,000 people to run to. It seemed like I could save the world, or I could play a really important part in saving the world. It seemed that I could have a 52-page CV, It seemed that I could be highly successful, but despite that, um, I was extraordinarily unhappy, and I was hurting the people I loved the most. Uh, And coming out of a second marriage, I I went back to—I was at Wake Forest School of Medicine at the time. I went back to Wake Forest School of Philosophy and studied the issue of free will uh, for a year just to determine if I had any and uh, at that point wrote The Rewired Brain, and it's the profound influence of our unconscious mind. And again, that was the beginning, that was the beginning of a six-year journey uh, that culminated in that horse accident on that Sunday afternoon. But I was simply unwilling to live a life that was so diverse on one side seeming to do everything and on the other side, seeming to hurt the people I love the most. And I just was unwilling to live like that. I was unwilling to live with a handful of antidepressants, any anxieties. I was simply, the pain was too much to live like that. So the pain moved me in a direction.
0: So what happened? I always think of, I would, I would think about it in the, or I think about it the before and after, I mean, you're seeing the world uh one way before the accident and then you have you're seeing it and I don't know if I mentioned that in the beginning in the intro but from the vantage point of being in a wheelchair and so what is the vantage point of being in the world wheelchair what 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 well that's the question <laughs>
1: yeah well i i think so I live in Tucson, Arizona. I was recruited here from Wake Forest University School of Medicine, as I said. I'm at the University of Arizona and I brought two Arabians here, uh from from um actually from Florida, one that I had rescued, a five year recently gelded horse and uh uh, I, I grew up in a house without a bathroom, so I, I'm enough of a redneck. I believed that I could train that horse, and uh, it butted me off five times, and then um, then one uh, Sunday morning, the horse tried to kill me and completely broke my pelvis in half, and 50% of people who had this accident die because it cuts their femoral artery. At that point, the mindfulness journey that I had started on, it went to a mindfulness journey on steroids. As I sit in front of a, of a palm tree I call divine presence, and I really began a six-month journey to understand, number one, the way that I'd lived my life to date and the way that I would live my life in the future and and how dramatically that would be so so. I think the wake up the big wake up uh, was happening for six years it, it really culminated and I don't think it culminated hopefully I'll continue to evolve but in my consciousness but I think uh, the horse accident and the six months in the wheelchair being told I would never walk again being told that I would never have sexual relations again being told all of these devastating things, that that really gave me a chance, a, not more than a chance, a chance is not quite the right word, uh, out of desperation to move through the steps of mindfulness and to develop this, this four-step method of mindfulness uh, uh, that I reveal or I talk about in in my new book the rewide I'm, I'm sorry in my new book there is another way to happiness
0: so let's talk about the four step mindfulness cuz uh the four step cast process right the CAST yes. process okay so yes. um as i understand it four vital stages consciousness awareness surrender and trust
1: that that is that is the four steps uh you know, I think um, Eckhart Tolle, who I revere uh, from many of his teachings in The Power of Now, uh, he said the initial start of his waking up, in fact, it was his entire waking up, was waking up to the fact that there were two me's or two him's in him. Uh, we have in our, our brains, and again, I'm an evolutionary by biochemist and geneticist, we have this 60, 70 million-year-old brain in the back of our head. It's unconscious. Uh, it's driving, for most people, 95% of their feelings, their anxiety, and ultimately their thoughts and reactions. Uh, and it was designed, uh, for another time. It was designed for humans that were going to live at most to be 25 years of age and its only, its only job was to move our genes, our precious genes to the next generation. So, wasn't designed to make us happy. In fact, it was designed to make us extraordinarily unhappy because it's going to remember every threat. It's going to remember every competitor. It's going to try to take out every competitor. It's going to to do everything it can, everything that's possible, uh, to pass on the precious gene. So there is also in the front of our heads the the this prefrontal cortex or this neocortex and so it's the conscious mind and and we have this fight within our head going on constantly uh um and i call the the, the unconscious mind the me i call the conscious mind the i and we have to determine uh, in the first 3 chapters of my book is who is I, and then who is me, and how do I find my I in the middle of my me storm? So, step one is is certainly awakening the consciousness. This battle is going on. These two. Can I interrupt you? Because I, what
0: about uh, you're a geneticist? You're a you're a scientist, and what yeah. about for those of us who are not scientists who? Uh, maybe don't have the same kind of understanding that you do, the evolutionary process that goes on in our brain or the stuff in the back of the brain that really isn't working well for us because in, uh, we weren't, it's not working for people who live to be a hundred years old or, uh, so can we understand it? Can we let's say if we're reading the book, can we utilize it? All, you know, the, go through these stages easily, or is it, you know, for the, the average person, I guess, you know, the average reader. Yeah.
1: It's such a good question, Catherine. Uh, this is my sixth book. I wrote uh, Inflammation Nation, which was summoned in Schuster's lead health book in 2005. That was my first book. I think it's taken me six books to take extraordinarily complex philosophical and scientific concepts and put them in a, a way that that all of us can understand, and that's not been an easy process for me. I had a a mentor. I had written a book with Lisa Turcurs, who's a very, very well-known uh, um, spiritual and religious leader, called "Made to Crave Action Plan," and she would just she would almost shout at me, and she did because this particular book was what we eat how we eat the correct diets and again my first four books were on that and she would just look at me and say you know they don't care why it works they only want to know when they go in the grocery store what do they buy so she taught me a lot and I, I do think it took me six books because these are I mean this process I'm calling Talking about is a philosophical process called dual process reasoning. Uh, Dual process reasoning is not easily understood, but I think what I do in this book is I make myself extraordinarily vulnerable, because if you're going to understand these concepts, you got to understand them in the context of heartbreak, in context of things that that people can identify with. So Yes, I believe the steps are easy. i I, I just looked last night. I had eighteen reviews. Uh, it just started um, on amazon and 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 it's a four point eight. So I believe people can read this book.
0: One of the things you talk about is in in the book is uh, let go of ego, fear, and the illusion of control. I think that's really a uh, one of those things that I think most people wrestle with or even conscious of wrestling with it every day, letting go of ego. Uh, We all have that illusion, I think, especially in our, you talk about context in the United States, this illusion of control. Uh, We think we can control everything. How do you, can we talk about that concept? uh, Because the letting go of the ego and uh, maintaining this illusion of control.
1: Absolutely. So, As I said before, I I started out in the house without a bathroom in the Appalachian Mountains. I was severely dyslexic. I was put in a trailer behind the school, and I'm sorry, I'm going to use this word. The trailer said retarded trailer, and that was in the 70s. And I was put in that trailer because that's what you did in Appalachia if you didn't know what if a kid couldn't read that created, I wouldn't say so much an ego, but an extraordinary feeling of unworthiness that I spent the first 50 years of my life trying to feel. Now I, I did extraordinary things. I, you know, I got a five year PhD in biochemistry in three years trained with the Nobel Prize winner, got to Johns Hopkins, uh, head a molecular medicine at Wake Forest, blah, 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 blah. As I said, a 52-page CV, if the point was was if that worthiness could have been filled by Western standards, I would have filled it. There was, um, you know, again, five companies, 160 publications, blah, 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 blah. It's, but with each mountain climb, there was a bigger one right in front of it. So there was no way, there was no way to ever satisfy this unworthiness that probably turned to ego, that built into ego, but there was no way to satisfy that. It, there was no accomplishment. I'm, I'm certain if I'd won the Nobel Prize, I would have seen the next mountain. There was simply no way to, 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 to do enough. To feel worthy or to feed that ego that was being driven by uh, again this childhood trauma, this shadow work, this whatever we want to call it,
0: well, one of the things that you have done, and we don't have that much time left, which I was really hadn't wasn't aware of, I guess, uh, and I mentioned it in the intro is that you uh, have been the executive director of the World Shoe Fund uh. And I found that fascinating. I was. I, I, I want to just touch on that because we don't have a lot of time left. But what is the World Shoe Fund?
1: Well, let me just say that I've been in Africa for 25 years. Uh, I've I've worked with several nonprofits. I just got back from Ghana. The World Shoe Fund is. Um, we have taken uh, a. a we have designed a shoe with Nike and Adidas and other folks called the World Shoe. And I'd love for people to go out and look at it for because this is a for-profit that is driving a non-profit. The man who first took me to, to Africa was Manny Ohomi. And I don't have time for the story, but he called me out of nowhere. He's He was a Nigerian successful businessman here in the U.S., and he called me, and, and again, it's a longer story, but he said, I, I want to take you to Africa, and I want to mess you up. Africa will mess you up. And 25 years later, and again, the story is a, a rich story, and I tell it in, in the book, but 25 years later, uh, we just got back from Ghana. We have built a factory that will manufacture Five million pairs of these world shoes per year. It's like a crock, only it was designed as a performance shoe. Uh, right now, I think we're within the top twenty uh, shoe companies in the world, and we've not show- sold our first shoe just off-, off of back orders. So,
0: well, I was—I just um, want then, to interrupt you for a minute because I went online to the website, and it said. Uh, which i didn't know and i don't shoes are one of the most effective disease fighters in the world cuz i can i want you to respond exactly. to that 600 and am i getting this correct 600 million people live without them and yeah that 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 was the yes yeah
1: well and again Manny has put 10 million pairs of shoes on 10 million very, very poor and orphaned children. We we just want to amp that up, but again, this shoe has an antimicrobial within it, and, and again, the way that many or most diseases come into children in the developing world is through their feet, uh, and so this is a shoe that we put on children. Again, it's an antimicrobial shoe. Uh, we again, our first factory will make five million pairs per year uh, putting those shoes on children throughout Africa. We're looking at other locations in South America uh, in other parts of Africa in asia so so uh, again, it's a for profit People buying it in the U.S. those that that those revenues will then go to make shoes for children in Africa.
0: So in Africa, but also what you're saying extended around the world in developing. Uh, I, countries. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry, yeah, I say Africa, but the developing world. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So it seems to me, getting back to your story or stories, you keep on going. You do keep on evolving and doing and creating. Uh, and uh, I, I'm going to say saving the world. I mean, this is, uh, in you haven't stopped, but I'm saying it in a positive way.
1: Well, I, I'm blessed with creativity. This dyslexia. When parents come up to me and say their kids got dyslexia and they're so sad, I go, congratulations. Congrat. This. So what I have is creativity, and I don't know where it came from. And I see it as just a big old miracle. And I've got 30 some patents and six companies but, that I've started. It's, I don't know where it, it's all a miracle to me. But that being said, now I see it as a miracle. Now I see this journey. I have the surrender. I have the, 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 the S part is the art of surrender. I have surrendered control. And that means that doesn't mean you sit around and twiddle your thumbs. That means I've never had a more productive year. But I surrender control, and this is going to sound hokey, especially for a scientist. But somehow the universe, or if you're a, a divine, if you're a person who believes in divinity, somehow divinity conspires for you to do great things and extraordinary things. And, and, and again, you're doing them. Yes, I work 80 hours a week, but I'm not doing them under stress. I'm doing them under love. I'm, I'm trying my best to love the world.
0: So working 80 hours a week, but not doing it under stress, but doing it under love. That's Uh, I mean, I'm saying that sounds unique. It it would be nice if all of us, I guess, would be able to do that, but that's pretty special uh, to be able to do that and not feel stressed out because I think a lot of people, uh, actually, they are working 40, 68 hours a week but are feeling under constant stress. So I said if we read your book, we'll be able to kind of like slow down, take time.
1: I. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting to the age where I'm thinking about slowing down my science and moving to loving the world more and hopefully writing more books on a sailboat. I love to sail. So, but I meditate three times a day. That's critical. I connect, uh, three times a day for me. At the in this book, the last, Part of the book is thirteen weeks of meditations that that I've designed for the folks, and and uh, it's a vital part of me because it allows me to pay attention to to that part of me that's co-creating, and I, I am a believer in divinity, so it allows me to co-create with divinity and and not pay any attention or so much attention to that dominant unconscious mind that's trying to drive me crazy.
0: Uh, Dr. Ski Chilton, um, really a pleasure talking to you today. He's a distinguished innovator, academic, and entrepreneur, as you can tell by the interview. But uh, can you give us a websites to go to for more information about your book and or books and the work you're doing?
1: Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram Instagram at Dr. Ski Chilton. I'm on uh, uh, Facebook, uh, the fan page, Dr. Ski Chilton. Uh, again, uh, I'm on uh, TikTok at Dr. Ski Chilton. Um, and uh, another way, uh, another way to happiness.com. So there are several places that you can see. I'm working really hard uh, in these spaces to put out positive messages that that can help people.
0: Well, you are helping people. Dr. Ski Chilton, Ph.D., there is another way to happiness, the four-step cast process that will transform your life. Thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it.
1: It was an honor. Thank you for having me, Catherine, and I Thank hope you, you have a beautiful day. hope Thank your listeners you. do, too.